Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists share their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name's Richie Rump, and joining is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What's going on today, Cecil? Not much, Richie. How you been? I've been doing pretty good, but you know what? I've just been obsessed over the past month or two about a particular soundtrack, man. Yeah, which one is that? That's the Hamilton soundtrack. You know, I've heard some songs from that. Which which songs are you listening to right now? Oh man, it's 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 the whole joint, man. It's it's disc one, it's disc two, it's the whole thing. It's it it, it wow. is has blown my mind. I've just completely have have lost it and just been listening to that thing just nonstop over and over and over again and you know i i fought this thing because i've heard about it about a year ago and i'm like you know i'm gonna hold off i'm gonna hold, it sounds interesting yeah but man it it has it's that good it is really that good it's it's a mix of hip-hop and r&b telling the story of alexander hamilton and it's like two things i love right like hip-hop and r&b and american uh, history and it's it merged them together seamlessly and it's it's amazing and hamilton is a play right it is a play they, they're playing in chicago and new york right now it's like sold out for like the next year i mean getting tickets is is going to be like 400 500 a seat it's like ridiculous so what you've been up to recently i just went to the um the home show right the fort lauderdale home show so for, for our listeners that haven't been to a home show before, it's pretty much a big exhibition of various service providers and vendors and people selling their products, all about, you know, stuff that you could do with your home. So I spoke to people that did home automation. I spoke to security guys. Um, I spoke to people that did windows and floors and roofs and, and all kinds of stuff. And it was it was totally cool. Um, and particularly for me, since you know I'm still technically a new homeowner, yeah, I'm looking for all of these little things and tweaks that I could do to, you know, spruce up the house a little bit. And I'm telling you, man, there's just so much stuff there to see. Um, I I definitely didn't get to talk to any everybody. It was so much people. I, you know, I had to tap out at a certain point in time. <laughs> it's, I had to I'm tap done, out. honey. I'm done. Yeah, I had to tap out. It was enough. But I, I I definitely think it was worth the trip. It was definitely worth you know going through and spending the time and just really seeing what's um what's available. That's cool, man. Glad you enjoyed it. And uh, you know, dropping in uh, money into the home is just it's a nonstop event. You, you'll keep doing it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't don't even remind me. <laughs> don't even remind me. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Annie Rugert. Annie is an illustrator living and creating in Napa, California. She's also worked with clients such as RethinkDB, Twitter, Let's Mend, as well as published a few children's books. She loves telling stories and cherishes their ability to help us discover ourselves. This episode is recorded on August 25th, 2016, and now our conversation with Annie Ruggett. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. So we have a special guest on our show today. Not like, you know, we have tons of special guests. But anyway. Um, they're all special. Uh, they're all, all our special, guests are special in their own special way. That's right. That's right. But but today we actually have an illustrator 
slash drawer slash artist slash a lot of different things that she does. But without me continuing to ramble too much, let me introduce Annie. And Annie, could you kind of just say hi to everybody and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Hi, everyone. Like Cecil said, my name is Annie, and I have been doing illustration for the past, I don't know, six or seven years right out of college. And I started with some freelance illustration, doing T-shirts and some children's books. And now I work at a tech company in the Silicon Valley doing illustration for them, for the web, and for their um, swag. So have you always been into doing illustrations? Like, what made you decide this is, hey, this is what I want to do for a living? Well, there were a f- there were several things I wanted to do. I've kind of grown up wanting to do everything, honestly. But illustration's kind of been something I've loved for a long time. It started, I think, with Disney movies. I just loved how the artwork was so beautiful and the storytelling was magical and it just like sucked me in and really meant a lot to me as a kid. So I kind of followed the art side of it and I loved books as well. I studied animation in college thinking that I wanted to do like Disney animation, but I found that the storytelling aspect was what I liked the most and I could do that with illustration more so than, you know, animating a character. It's very different kind of workflow and process. So what were the Disney movies that you were attracted to? Uh, Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. Typical, typical little girl born in 1986. (laughs) Yeah, I I loved the music. Like the music was a big part of it too. Sure. And that's another thing that I wanted to do growing up is I wanted to be a singer and an actress. Mm, So they kind of like were hand in hand, you know, I, I feel like storytelling comes through in the singing and the music for me just as much as the artwork. So Annie, let me ask you, who are some of the other people or other works of art that that really inspire you? There's a lot. I guess I can just kind of ramble some off. So as far as illustrators, there are some current illustrators I love. Sean Tan. He's probably my one of my most favorites. And Chris Van Allsburg. These are like picture book illustrators. Uh, I also love classical art and, and modern art, too. I've fallen in love with modern art. So like Ellsworth Kelly and um, I just went to the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh. And oh. like I'm amazed because I just I come across these people that I've heard about that are kind of eh, all right. Interesting. But when, when I go and really study their work, their their oeuvre in depth, as they say, sure. Um, it's like, it's amazing. And I just find that there's so much, like I have such an appreciation for all these artists just because they spent their life really devoted to discovering themselves and expressing the world around them. So I, there's just, yeah, so much inspiration around. I mean, I mean, one what, what of the things that, you know, I'm not a big art museum uh, person, um, but one of my good friends is a Classically trained artists, you know, went to Maryland Institute College of Art, did the whole thing. Um, so I kind of got a little bit, you know, of education through him. And the one thing that gets me is when I go into a museum and you see these very famous pieces and you see them on the web or you see them in books and they're like, oh, okay. And then you, you finally go to like the Hermitage in St. Petersburg or Le Louvre or, you know, the Smithsonian or wherever and you see these in real life and it takes on a different meaning it, it it's 
it's tangible and it's most of the times it's a lot larger than you expect it to be. And to see the, you know, uh, the craftsmanships and the artistry in person and in, in real life, it just, the artwork takes on a different meaning. It does. Well, I think there are so many elements about the like aspects of the artwork that isn't really represented in a photo. Like you said, size. Like when you see Picasso's uh, Guernica, which I just saw recently in um, in France, I got to see it, which was awesome. Or no, it was in Madrid. That makes sense. Um, it is gigantic, and it is stunning because I think primarily because of the size. Like you walk in that room and it's kind of the only thing on the wall and it, everyone, you can just like hear everyone's breath just shorten and being held as they're looking at it. It's incredible. So, you know, now that we're in a digital age and there's a ton of digital art and digital artists, um, you know, going around, I, I think that's going to be the future. Um, what do you think about, you know, the next generation or, or you know, 100 years from now, how do you think they're going to perceive digital art and how, how do you think the, the medium is going to last? Hmm. Well, the first thing that came to mind, this is not really an answer, but I saw this art exhibit and this guy had reproduced this digital image so many times that it was just, it had deteriorated. And it was like, it was kind of beautiful in and of itself. But I just feel like artists, artists will continue to make physical art and paint and draw because there's something really important about that physical uh, part of it. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of selfish, but like, <laughs> I think artists want to leave something behind. And so a digital representation or like a uh, digital illustration, it, it for me personally doesn't feel as solid and it doesn't feel like something that will last. So a lot of times I'm less attached to it than like if I paint a physical piece. So I mm. think that I think that people are going to like that, that part of the art may evolve the digital aspect. I mean, maybe it'll turn into some crazy, I mean, we're already seeing virtual reality, right? Yeah. Uh, our systems, but there, but the physical art will stay, I think, and maybe even become like, maybe there will be a, a little rebirth happening soon. Wouldn't that, that be cool? That's, yeah. That's my theory. Cause I can, I mean, that's, that's my theory based on like what my friends are saying and what, what I feel like we're all drawn to just sitting down with some paints and a pencil and just scribbling or painting. Like that's Yeah. And it's need. not, not on a Wacom tablet or an iPad pro or whatever. It's just, just yeah. something physical. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of why I fall in love with painting every single time I, I put paint to a canvas is because that like, it's almost like it sounds so cheesy, but like caressing the canvas, you know, or like just, it feels very loving putting that paint on the canvas. I know, I know you're laughing, but it does. And, and then what comes out is something you can share with people, but it's not so much for me what, what it looks like at the end. It's about the, it's like a meditation. It's the process 
it's that time like with myself and with what I'm trying to say. Well, I think it's very selfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's fine. I think for me, the little that I know about art is for what you guys do, you really need to have a connection to to what you're doing from a mental and a, probably a, a physical sense too. So so maybe you actually holding a paintbrush and caressing the canvas, so to speak. And, and I'm, not, I'm not making fun of you, so I don't want you to think that. But Well, once you, know. you said it, I thought, oh gosh, that sounds silly. <laughs> <laughs> but you're having this this connection with the canvas and you know, you're know you feeling the brush strokes and you're, you're watching the paint and yeah, it's very different from, hey, I'm going to pick up a tablet and I'm going to, you yeah. know, I'm going to see some stuff show on the screen. I mean, I think it, it's it's very much of a different type of, yeah, just a very different type of space. It's almost like when you ask people, do I prefer to read a physical book or do I prefer to read on my Kindle? And, physical. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, some people like the physical book because there's there's something about holding a book in your hand and turning the pages and putting in your bookmark that, you just don't get that same experience, obviously, with a, with a tablet, even though it's convenient. Yeah, I I have something to add. So I like have recently uh, really gotten into yoga, and I realized, like, after doing all that yoga, that the movement or like the physical aspect to a lot of the things we do is really important. Just even that page turn just makes the reading experience for me and for a lot of people. It'd be cool to see more of that fused together in the future. For instance, do you remember what your first drawings were like? Like, do you remember, you know, what your first works were, and you know, like, what was what was that like when you were just starting out? Well, I have some images when I was really young, and I drew pictures of myself and my family. I think a lot of kids will do that when they're about four or five. But I do recall my first like art piece, <laughs> which yeah. was in second grade. And we had to draw a picture based on a book. And uh, the book was Is Your Mama a Llama? I don't know if you've heard that book. No, I haven't. Uh, it's it's about a little llama that's trying to find his mother, I think. And eventually he finds his mama llama. Mm. And I drew, I like recreated the last picture at the end of the book, which is this cute little llama just laying down nestled into its mama llama body. And I think I won an award. Oh, nice. At my school. And that was when I was like, whoa, I loved drawing that. And I won an award. Like, this is cool. Maybe maybe I'm actually good at this. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence. Because I think at a, as a kid, what, second grade is like seven years old? Yeah. Um, yes. That's the age yes. when you start to, like, develop your identity. So, um, yeah, that kind of, like, pushed me, I think, a little bit deeper into the whole art thing. Because I, I saw a little bit of a future. And and so what about some of your more professional works, like your your early professional career in terms of, you know, in terms of making art? So there's like a, a, a picture I made in college that has kind of gotten, it, it's given me some legs, some weird legs, but it's like we had to illustrate an idiom. Mm-hmm. And so my idiom was, uh, it's colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra. Oh, okay. and it, yeah, it's an interesting one, but I illustrated it, uh, in this digital painting class and it has this like gross looking witch, um, with a wart on her nose and wearing this kind of bikini shaped brass brassiere. And for some reason, people really liked that. And I had some people reach out from across 
the country and asked me to do artwork for them. Um, nothing crazy, right. but that was, that was kind of a bigger one. And then I'm trying to think of anything more recent. I have a personal piece that I really fell in love with. Uh, it's like the only painting I've ever really, really liked. And of course I, I gave it away, but that's just, that's just how those things go. Um, it was a recreation. It was like my take on that famous French artist that I couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, Bouchereau, <laughs> I think. Bouchereau. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was like getting ready to quit my job down in LA and move. And so I kept writing songs and doing drawings about this, this runaway, this girl that runs away to join the circus. And I painted this piece. Um, it had a lot of like depth and kind of sadness in it, but also she had this circus behind her. And gosh, this is like, I wish I could show you, but it's a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was, it was really cool. And then what's neat is I was at this, uh, this little yoga studio and I was talking to this this guy who was going to teach this sound healing class. And he had the exact life of this girl that I was painting. He like left and joined a circus and traveled around Europe. And it was, he kind of just like embodied this story that I was telling myself in my head as I was painting. And so I said, Simon, you have to take this painting. It's meant for you. So I gave it to him and I haven't seen it or him since, but she's somewhere out there with uh with her it's like she's like a self-portrait of simon right. so they're together so when you're getting ready to do some work you know you're getting ready to create and, and produce something what's your preparation like if i am creating if i'm working on a personal piece then my creative space needs to be completely clean i'm kind of a clean freak i like to have music i like to have good lighting so i'll, I'll light some candles I like to go all out and be romantic with myself <laughs> if I'm, if I'm working on a personal piece, sure. if I'm at uh, my job and I'm getting ready to work on something, I like to kind of make a list. I like to make a list. I like to do some research. Um, I like to do a lot of planning. So it's kind of uh, different approaches to each process. And I find that they're both effective yeah. and it's probably because the latter the latter process, the one where I'm planning things out, uh, is, is commercial. And so it has to kind of fit. It has to like meet certain needs. And then when I'm creating art for myself, it's very much, uh, like, you know, expressing myself or just letting out some thoughts and ideas and emotions uh, for fun. Speaking about your job, you actually work for a tech startup, right? In, uh, in California. Yes, and everything DB. Right. In Mountain View. So how do you I think it's it's kind of interesting because I don't know a lot of illustrators that work for for tech startups. So like explain to me like what is your your day-to-day -day like there for instance as as an artist? Like how does your like how do you kind of blend in with, you know, all of the techie stuff that's happening? Well, I don't think I blend in too well. <laughs> uh <laughs> yes. But I love the people I work with. So it's, we're all like a wonderfully dysfunctional family. It's great. Yeah. Um, my, 
yeah, I don't know a lot of other illustrators at tech companies. I think what I get to do is is very unique and I am really grateful to be there. I think it's super fun and awesome. A lot of times it's a mixture of, well, at this point, since I've been there for a while, it's, it's a mixture of me kind of working on projects that I know will need to be seen through, like our release artwork. Yeah. It's kind of like there's a rhythm that's been established. So I'll work on that. And then sometimes people will throw me a request and they'll say, hey, I'm writing a blog post about, um, you know, React. Can you do an illustration? And so I'll have to go over their post, ask them some questions, understand what I should be conveying. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I don't really know what what they're writing about. So I need to figure out the concepts. And then I'll work pretty closely with our founder or one of our founders and kind of make sure it's it's spot on. Um, yeah, and then sometimes it's like, coming up with sometimes it's doing artwork for one of our little parties you know like drawing a card for someone who's having a birthday or writing on our chalkboard and doing some special art for like a meetup that we have so i've seen a lot of your work either online or on slack or anything like that and and one of the things i was loved about it was how how much character i i feel like it has you know and so when you bring that character into a very technical space. I find it makes it very approachable, right? Regardless of how much ever experience you have with technology, sometimes it's not very approachable. Sometimes it's very mechanical. And sometimes it's, you know, hey, I, I really don't want to read this blog post. There's a lot of words here. I, I don't know what's going on. But, you know, when you... <laughs> no, I, I, I do that all the time. I'm it's sure, true. I'm sure Richie does too. You know, it's it's not visually yep. appealing for me to to stare at the screen and, and go through this this, this documentation. But, you know, when you look at a website or you look at a blog post or you look at, you know, any type of material that you're producing. And again, like, you know, the from the, um, the little mascot you created, I think it's called Thinker or Tinker, I think is what it's called. Right? Yeah, the Thinker. Right. Like from the Thinker to the different environments that he is to the different personas that he has. I think that just kind of lends to not only showing the character of the company, but, you know, also to just kind of showing the character of the people that are there and the thought and the the care that goes into putting out these products. Oh, I'm glad you said that because that's the whole goal. When I was first hired, you know, I knew that there would be like t-shirts to design and some website illustrations to be made. But after after a short time, it was pretty evident that they really wanted to treat the artwork just like the the open source software um, and just have it be like an aid in helping people's lives and their development process just be like more enjoyable. Yeah. So that was really nice because then I could just make the illustrations kind of from my heart and make them happy and, and sweet and helpful. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's been our goal. I, I kind of modeled it after the, my coworkers, the people I work with, because I feel like their personalities are so sweet and kind and so I was just imagining, well, what if they were this, you know, in this little illustration, what would they be doing or how would they be acting? Right. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Thinker a little bit. So I, I kind of wanted to know, where did you get your inspiration from to True Creative? Well, he's actually from a, a children's book Oh. Okay. that I came up with. Yeah. Uh, the book is called The Three Things. 
-hmm. And I came, I think I came up with it like five or six years ago, maybe, maybe not as long as that, but it took me so long to illustrate that darn book that I finally published it just last fall. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, but he, like, he was a character in there. He's a little different, but his character in there was called the something. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like this, this amorphous little, uh, thought type creature. Like he's, he kind of morphs and he's very creative and he's not really anything, but I, I imagine him just like a little thought. Right. And so I started using him for these API illustrations that I was doing everything. And he just kind of worked, but I was like, well, uh, I don't know if they'll even like this. I mean, we weren't really like trying to nail down a mascot, but everyone liked it. So if it ain't broke, <laughs> don't fix it. Um, it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, he was different enough from my, my first character that it was like, okay, they're different. Right. We can do this. And I love, I love him. I love drawing him. He's so fun. I really love the one you did where you put dreadlocks on him. Yeah, that, that was for is, you. Thank you. That was very cool. <laughs> that was very cool. I know. Any requests, Wait, send them my way. Yeah, I've drawn some I've drawn some uh images of the thinker that are like, you know, they can't be seen. Some days I'm just like, this is how I feel, and I draw the thinker exactly how I feel, and it's not so pretty. <laughs> I think that kind of goes to show too that you know a lot of a lot of what you have to to do to be you know in the space to create is you know you you have to kind of feed off of your emotion right and i'm i'm sure yeah. that charges pretty much a lot of what you do yeah it is a blessing and a curse you guys is it <laughs> yes yes but i think as you get older and you become more mature you can kind of wield it as like a sword right you know and and it can be helpful and you can then also put it away when it needs to be put away. But yeah, it's definitely like, I feel very connected to the thinker because a lot of times he is a lot like a self portrait or he does. I mean, I have, when I'm drawing his little body doing something, I'm imagining how it feels in my body or what I would look like. Cause like we always have to kind of be our own reference in a lot of ways. Sure. So he's very special to me, my little child. <laughs> so you mentioned you had a, a book that you just recently published. So so is that out now to like, I could, can I go and pick that up in Amazon or do I go to your website and check it out? Like where can I go and learn about more about your book? Oh yeah, you can go to both. It's on Amazon, the three things. Um, you'll probably need to know my last name to find it just because it is kind of a smaller item. Okay. Like it's an indie indie book, and then uh, it's also on my website, on the front page, which is AnnieRugetIllustration dot com, and yeah, it, it was it was really cool. I did a Kickstarter campaign to fund it, and I had a lot of support, which is I'm just in awe of still. Mm-hmm. And I was able to publish it, and it turned out beautiful, and I'm very happy with it. It's like a dream come true to have a picture book that I wrote and illustrated because I always wanted to do that. So hopefully there will be more in the future. I'm working on some more books, but they do take a long time. Yeah. 
Are you yeah. targeting anybody particularly with this book? Is it for you know kids, kids of a certain age? Is it kind of general for anybody who can read this? This book, well, it seems like the response has been that it's it's more than like a a kids book for a certain age group. It's kind of which is good. That's what I wanted. It's more of a conceptual story about balance. So the characters are the nothing, the something, and the everything. So that might be kind of telling, like it's got this this idea of balance and working together. But the characters are kind of silly and mysterious and cool. So I think kids can definitely enjoy it. But I'm hoping that it's a book that they want to hold on to for a long time and share with their children or just, you know, treasure it. That's because that's how I felt about some of my favorite books growing up. So I remember you said there's a little bit in, of you inside of the thinker. So would that be the same for the, the three characters or inside of this book too? Uh, yeah. A little bit? Not well, really. the nothing for sure. The nothing for sure. He's like this Tim Burton type ghostly character that I just love creepy things. <laughs> but the everything's kind of... I don't know. He has like horns and he's kind of, well, yeah, they're actually, you're right. You're right. They're all like me. <laughs> There's a <laughs> side different to parts me that's of a you, little right? bit more demanding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So is it kind of therapeutic for you to, to be able to put out projects like this and kind of get some of that stuff out or, or probably even get a little bit introspective and, and kind of, you know, discover some, some other parts of yourself? Yes. I think you nailed it. It is all of those things. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I don't know, would you say that's what art is for you? Do you guys write or play music or anything? So I used to play music a long time ago, and I actually used to write poetry. I think that's oh, the first really? time I ever told people anybody that on, <gasps> on publicly wow. recorded. Public oh, record. I want wow. to hear it. I am definitely not going to read any on this show. You know what, Cecil? Your code is like poetry to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, yeah i would love to read your poetry someday if you're interested in sharing it yeah it was it was such a long time ago i was in high school i started writing in high school i have a book of maybe about two years of of work that i kind of put in and i was at a very i was at a very dark place <laughs> um and i i have to say it was very therapeutic for me to kind of get some things out of your head and on paper or at least just get it out of your head and get it somewhere else. And it kind of made me feel better. And, you know, sometimes when you, you put stuff down on paper and let's say a couple of months pass by, even a year passes by and you go back and you read it and you remember kind of where you were in the state and you kind of look back and you can see the progression that you've made. For me, anyway, it made me feel like tons better in some circumstances. Yes, it's a good, I mean, like, yes, you feel better because you're maybe not in that dark place, but it's a good reminder that those places happen and sure. sometimes having a record too of what can bring that on. Like I used to do a lot of journaling. I, I still kind of do, but I used to like, you know, obsessively journal. It's kind of, I'm actually, well, yeah, now you all know obsessive journaling. It's kind of <laughs> creepy, but I, it's kind of cool actually just to have that record and, and see like, Oh yeah, that's why I was feeling kind of crappy. Cause you know, I didn't like reserve any time to, be creative or to go out for a hike or something like that. So it's definitely therapeutic and helpful to have these these pieces down on paper, whether it's a drawing or a poem or a song. 
Yeah, and you know what? I don't know if people still do that stuff anymore. I mean, do kids are still kids still keeping diaries and journals these days? Is is that something that still happens? Mine do. Mine, my my ten year old does. Yeah, she does. And um, I don't know how she got started with it. So we homeschool. So that's so that's our stop. So we we homeschool. And the way she, we're approaching her her English and her writing is just is different than you would get as if you were in a regular school with 30 people around. So right. everything, everything that we're teaching her um, is all about just get it out. Right. And we're teaching her structure and things like that, but we're not really focusing right now on punctuation or capitalization or spelling or anything like that. It's just all about her getting her ideas and her thoughts out on, onto paper. So, um, she's in fourth, fifth grade. She just started fifth grade. And, um, just the other day, my, my wife asked, Hey, Alexa, are you still doing a journal? And she goes, Oh, you mean my diary? She goes, yeah, I do it, but I haven't, I haven't done it in a little bit. I'll probably do it tonight. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, she writes a lot like Christopher Robin because her spelling's not that great, but we're not <laughs> focusing on that right now. Right. Uh, we're just focusing on, on her wanting and be willing to get it out on paper no matter how it looks like and then we'll help her clean it up later gosh that is such an amazing skill to have is to like not hold yourself back by having it be you know trying to make it perfect that's really cool yeah it's very cool she does that yeah i can't i can't do that i mean i i take a look at something and i'm agonizing over the sentence is that right is is that is that the right tense is that um, did I spell that right? You know, I mean, that's that's the way I'm at, and I know my wife is the same way. So, you know, we didn't want her to kind of be like us and just really en- enjoy getting her thoughts and ideas without being hindered. So, um, we're Kudos. we're approaching it, and so so far so good. So, but her spelling really does annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> that's later. Oh, that's man. later. She's like she. You know, she's a kindred spirit because I had terrible spelling too. <laughs> but I was just, I loved writing. Oh my gosh, I still do. But my spelling is horrific. So, so, so how do, you know, since, since you're an artist and you're, obviously you love, you love writing, you just said that. Um, how, what role do books play in, in your life? Well, I'm writing, I'm writing my first novel right now. So I'm determined to try and create books. You know, it's interesting because I never thought of myself as an avid reader growing up, but there were certain books that changed my life. Hmm. One of them was Harriet the Spy, which your daughter might really like if she hasn't oh, yeah. read it. And, and there are some other books like uh, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Into the Land of the Unicorns. <laughs> A lot of books around the age of like between 9 and 12. And that's probably... Partly because that age is just really influential. But I've, I've loved books so much. Like libraries are still one of my favorite places. But I don't, I don't read much fiction nowadays. I read a lot of nonfiction, uh, which I'm fine with. I think that I just really like learning about new things. But they're still, yeah, it's, books are just magical. Even though I, I wouldn't say that I'm always reading. But there's something special about falling into that book and discovering something about yourself or about the world through a story. It's like a light goes on. So that's yeah. that's what yeah, I love. Yeah, I, 
I completely feel you. And, um, you know, we have uh, it, a room and it's just like a wall of books in, in the house. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we both um, much the same way you are, you know, that, that magical age between nine and, you know, 12, 13, 14, um, just really fell in love with books. And, you know, we wanted that for our kids. And so there's not far you could walk in our house without some sort of books <laughs> around. And um, there's just, you're right, there's just something magical. We even uh, take our kids to book signings and author events and things like that. Oh, awesome. So that, so that they can, uh, you know, they've met um, uh, Dave Barry, they've met Ridley Pearson, uh, uh, Brad Meltzer, who's a local guy here, um, and he has his History Channel TV shows and does all the history stuff. But he has these a uh, line of kids books that you know every time that he's he's in, you know at the local bookstore, which is like once or twice a year, we'll go. We'll take the kids and they'll get their books signed and they'll uh, they'll ask a question. Uh, you know they've gotten so they've gotten. So used to going to these events, they have no problems now asking however silly question it may be to the authors, no matter if it's an adult right. event or if it's a kid event. And it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's, hey, they're not special, you know, oh, look, this is an author, you know, and it's something I'll never mm -hmm. attain. This is just, oh, this is just Brad, who, you know, I've talked to many times and he just so happens to have written, you know, 10 New York Times bestsellers, you know, There's no big deal. It's interesting because I, I also just did a talk at this conference. It was my first conference talk. And oh, yeah? It was about what was that? Art. Really fun. It was art and open source. So it's kind of uh, mixing, you know, kind of like reflecting on what I've been talking about just now with, with you guys. But I was actually doing some research. And um, what I really love is how, like, art, art spreads ideas and history. Like, it really is educational. And so exposing exposing kids to like taking them to museums and to historical sites and looking at architecture, uh, I, I feel like I have learned so much history through art. So I, I highly support it. Kind of piggybacking on, on what Richie kind of said a little bit, like we're very technical people. It's very structured, very logical, very... You know, this this needs to be engineered and architected in a particular way type type situation. And I think because of that, we spend so much time looking at that stuff that we kind of get disconnected from the rest of the world. And, you know, it's a good and a bad thing, right? You know, sure, it's good to, to love what you do for a living, but also, too, it's, mm -hmm. it's good to kind of, you know, diver diversify a little bit, right? <laughs> Look at some other things. Um, and so I've been personally really trying hard to to kind of step back from that side of it a little little bit anyway and just read some more... You know, just you know, some more fictional novels, if, if if anything else, and you know, try to get back into the, you know, get my kick kickstart my imagination a little bit more, I suppose. Wow. Yeah. Because I think a balance is important. You know, so you balance the technical with the artistic, and you know, at some point in the middle, you know, you're gonna meet, and you know, something special will happen. So, so Cecil, what what are the books on your desk right now? Go. <laughs> oh, are you serious? <laughs> on my yeah. Desk right yeah. Do it. Do it on my desk, oh, right? We're all gonna do this, okay? So you're yes, first. yes. That is the word. so. Okay. So I don't keep stuff on my desk, first of all. But anyway, let me tell you what's on my desk right now. I have a book from Gabe Klein. He's a he's a Miami guy, and it's called Startup City. 
and it's about this the public private startup worlds of the future i have yet to read it because I, I got it in an event i went to and it's kind of just been sitting here collecting dust for a little bit um i also have dotnet gurus can cook on my left side ah look at that what what is that so the name of the book is it's um the second edition um it's called dotnet gurus can cook so so annie it's pretty much a, a book a bunch of programmers got together and put recipes in a book and i think they they did this this was for charity right or something like that richard uh no, I think it was a component one. I think that was one of their promos. Oh yeah, they just kind of give away for free. Food, right? Food recipes. Yeah, it's a yeah, 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 yeah. No food and drink recipes. So there's you know, food. there's yep. entrees yep. and desserts and you know. And okay. there's my wife's black bean recipe is in there as well. Yeah, those are the only two books. Everything else has to do with insurance and investments and similar, <laughs> which is very okay. not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. It's very different. All from, right. From my All right. We'll let the guests go uh, last. So yes. I have, who do I have here? I have uh, John Rissig's Secrets of the JavaScript Ninja, first edition uh, on my desk. Yes, oh, yes, because yeah. second edition was just released. I have uh, Douglas Crockford's JavaScript, The Good Parts, uh, currently on my desk. Oh, my God. That's uh, I have um, Brad Meltzer's The Inner Circle, which I need to... Uh, put away because I finished that on my most recent trip. It, and I finished it on the way to um, my destination. And I, I didn't have anything to read the rest of the, rest of the time there because I finished it. Uh, you know, uh, I just knocked it out on the trip up there. And I also have The Amazing Spider-Man 16 uh, on my desk as well. Oh, I nice. Comic book on my desk, of which... Um, I'm so far behind on my comic reading, it's not funny. But uh, I will eventually get to that comic one yeah. of these days. I know, it's hard. It's like they come out more often than like novels. It's <laughs> like people want to make to money date. off this stuff. I it's know. Uh, well, good, good. I'm guessing I'm guessing you work with JavaScript. This is just a guess. I, I have been over the past <laughs> few months. I, I kind of tend to work. That. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of tend to work with everything, so that means you know at any given time, whatever I'm immersing myself in will be on my desk. Yeah. 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 Okay, so my stack is okay. French in ten minutes a day. Oh, okay. Ooh. Learning French right now. I have a book called Endurance by Alfred Lansing about um, uh, South. Um, the South Pole and expedition to Antarctica Ooh. in 1916. I have a book entitled gut the inside story of the body's most underrated organ. This girl <laughs> won like a, a, a prize or something giving a, a talk. It's really cool. It's very funny too. And then I have a book about yoga assists because I'm, I'm doing my yoga training right now. And my last book, which is super cool is uh, cause I love books. I have a lot of books. It's Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols. And it's like mm -hmm. all of his research and findings about symbolism and dreams. Mm. And it's extremely fascinating. He draws upon um, art and history and just how it's like manifested in symbols and how we tell stories. I kind of wanted to talk to you about that. And I'm kind of glad you mentioned it. So I was flipping through your blog a little bit earlier today. And I, I oh, saw yeah. you had a post. Uh-oh, yeah, I got the dirt now, man. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I saw you had a post that says um, you you started recording your dreams. Yes. 
So what what made you decide to start doing that? Oh gosh. Can we talk okay. about this? Is this okay? We can yeah, we can <laughs> talk about this. Um there's nothing wrong here. I just sometimes, you know, might come off as like super uh I don't know, crazy. But <laughs> well, I'm I'm fascinated with dreams. I'm fascinated okay. with dreams because I think the idea of a nightmare is so interesting. Um it's like a really emotionally heavy experience where when you recall someone you tell them about your nightmare a lot of times it's not even that scary but for some reason they're just so intense when we dream so i started listening to my dreams because i really feel like the subconscious has a lot to say like i think that everything we need to know about ourselves like is already within us so i felt like dreams was a really cool portal i'm also currently writing a book about a dream world and so i wanted to kind of like do my own research and and learn about my own dream symbols because i think everyone has their own language like uh, a car doesn't mean the same thing for everyone but for me personally a car is kind of like my my energy tank um when my car starts to break down in my dreams then i know that i'm you know running on empty or I'm like feeling out of control and tired and overwhelmed. Um, so I, I just, the more I started recording them, the more I started remembering them. And then I started lucid dreaming. Mm. And that was super exciting. Cause like, who doesn't want to fly on command in their dream <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and have it feel very real. So I, I just continued with it. And like, Sometimes you you get out of the rhythm and I haven't been recording them for maybe a month. But once you start to set that intention at night, like it comes back and you gain the momentum. So I highly recommend it. It's really fun and very, very telling of the things that maybe you hide from yourself. So is there yeah. anything else that you, you've discovered about yourself um, since uh, you've been recording your dreams? Yeah. Yes, a lot, a lot. It's with without sounding so dramatic, it's been life changing. <laughs> because like I said, there are things that, you know, you might hide from yourself. But once you see them, you can't unsee them. Right. <laughs> yeah. So just things like uh, how I'm reacting. Like, um, like how I'm reacting in certain situations or relating to people. Um, uh, friendships, you know, like if something's bothering me, sometimes I don't understand what that is, but in my dream, I'll understand more. Like maybe I'm feeling really exposed or very vulnerable and I'm running away and I'll see that in my dream. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We'd like to thank Annie for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with her. If you like this show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash aftkpodcast and on Twitter at aftkpodcast. You could follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website, on SoundCloud, or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have Community Manager, Christina Keelan. 
really hope that's how she pronounces her last name. Me too. <laughs> See you, everyone. Sorry, Christina. Bye. Peace. to thank you for listening to away from the keyboard as a reminder we will have new episodes each and every week you can interact with us on twitter at aftk podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com hasta luego Well, can, can I t- can I tell you yes. a secret, Cecil? Tell me a yes. secret. So in in fifth grade, I tried to sign up for for choir. Oh really? And the choir and the choir teacher wouldn't let me. <gasps> uh oh. Yeah. That's me. So that was it. That was it for music <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh he's like, man. Nope. He's like, nope, not you. Sorry. I went to her after class and everything. It's like, yeah, let's do choir, and she's like, no. <laughs> You know, you know what I think we could do, Richie? We should get one of those auto tune apps because, because <laughs> you know, in in 2016, auto tune makes everybody sound better. Why? So I could sound like everyone else? No, that so when you sing, like people won't run away from us. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear that. I would love it. There must be an app. I'm going to look for an app on my phone. There's got to be. You know what we should do? We should have a podcast freestyle, except we should just have Annie do it and we'll record it. Yeah, that's, it. that's good. That's it. I'll do it if you guys do it with me. Oh. No. It'll no. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, what if, you could beatbox. If you don't want to sing, you could beatbox. Okay, I can beatbox and you and Richie rap. Okay, deal. I, I could play Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, maybe Spotify in a pinch, you know? <laughs> You could do like spoken word, Richie. No, I leave that to uh, to Cecil. You know, he, the, the the poet himself. <laughs> oh god, that's hilarious. Ro- roses are red, violets are blue. Cecil loves Rethink DB. <laughs> so you should too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Snap! Ooh. Snap! 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 There you go.